My name is Avery Haller. I am the executive director of strategy and partnerships at Health Gorilla, and I will pass it to my accomplice. Hi, everyone. My name is Diana Zuskoff. I'm an associate vice president for strategy at LexisNexis Risk Solutions. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you. So, um, the way that today is going to go is we're going to give a little bit of an overview of why Health Gorilla chose to integrate with LexisNexis. Um, for the SDOH data. And then um, we'll go through an actual um, a story. It's fictional, but um, we'll go through a story of a patient named Mary and how these SDOH risk scores helped her in her care journey. Um, and then we will end with some Q&A. Um, and during the Q&A, we do encourage everybody to ask questions and participate. And we will be going through some more um, considerations in building an SDOH program. So um, I'm going to start actually with a little bit of a description of why Health Gorilla chose to integrate with LexisNexis. Um, we really are a platform where we are trying to be the single point of truth for healthcare data. As we know, health doesn't stop at the clinic. Health starts and stops in our homes and in our communities. And so we see SDOH data as critical to the care of a patient and critical to um, encouraging the health of all of us. I come from a public health background, as does Diana. So we are very excited to be on the data side in making this data usable. When we were evaluating SDOH data to pull in. There are many different types of SDOH data that we can look that we looked at. Um, I kind of think of SDOH in three categories. You've got your basic demographic zip code level data, which is fantastic, but not necessarily identifiable to a single patient. You've got your um, patient assessments. So think of your prepare studies, which are also fantastic, but require a lot of effort on the part of the patient, um, require disclosures that may be uncomfortable for the patient. And then you've got third-party data, third-party identifiable data, um, which is what we have through LexisNexis rolled into risk scores. And there are advantages to this data that um, I am really excited about, for one, and one of the biggest reasons that we chose to work with LexisNexis is they did a lot of work and some very extensive um, studies and white papers that really tie the data that the CDC is looking at through Healthy People 2030 to SDOH risk scores that are identifiable to an individual. So we can get really, really granular about how to support the individual and how to close a care gap in a way that's meaningful for the individual and not a blanket statement. Um, so you'll see throughout the presentation, um, we'll, we'll kind of go through a story again of a patient, how SEOH data was used um, to identify uh, someone who might be at risk for a care gap and close that care gap. Um, and then at the end, I will also be showing our UI so you can kind of get a sense of what this um, looks like. And I am going to now pass it to Diana to describe the LexisNexis solution a little bit more in detail. 
Awesome. Thanks so much. And thanks again. Yeah. So um, Avery did a great job kind of outlining it. You know, the, the main thing I would just highlight is that there's really no single source of truth for SDOH data. And so um, one of the advantages and one of the really investments that LexisNexis makes is taking over 10,000 different sources of data and tying them down to an individual. Because ultimately you do need that combination of both what is happening where someone lives, what's happening in their household, and then most importantly, you know, what are their individual risk factors. And so our SDOH data set you know, takes advantage of all three of those different levels of the socio-ecological model because I too come from public health and Avery and I geek out about that together. Um, but it's really important to consider that, you know, the zip code tells you so much about the access that someone may have, but it doesn't necessarily describe their household or their individual risk factors or protective factors as well. So as we move on to talk about Mary, we're going to use Mary's example to show you the power of having that data at the individual level. Um, and then, you know, we'll go through also what those risk scores look like. So today we'll be talking a little bit about our medication adherence risk score, which specifically sources that social determinants of health that are driving that medication adherence risk. Because if you think about, you know, what changes your behavior when it comes to medication adherence, it's can I get to the pharmacy? Uh, do I have family to remind me to go pick up my medications? Where do I live? Do I live near a pharmacy? Do I have access to transportation? Those are all examples of the types of social determinants data that are included in our data set, and we'll be talking about today in a little more detail. So I'll hand it over to you to talk about Mary. Great, thank you. Um, so as you can see, uh, Mary's case is not a real person by the stock photos. There will be no PHI today, so <laughs> just in case you're worried about that. Um, so let me introduce you to Mary. Mary is 58. Um, she lives with her husband, um, and her son and daughter-in-law are nearby. So I'm going to tell you a bit of a story about a care journey recently for Mary. So Mary's primary care physician is named Dr. Torres. It's been several months, maybe a couple years, since Mary's been able to get back to primary care. She walks into Dr. Torres's office. He does a, he does a blood draw, draw. The lab processes it. And Dr. Torres sees that though he's been working with Mary for several years on and off, um, her diabetes is still not under control. He's still seeing very high A1C levels. So Dr. Torres says, you know, Mary, I'm going to give you another medication to try. Please, please take this seriously. And Mary says, I've been taking it seriously, but I, it's hard. It's hard to manage my health. So Dr. Torres and Mary go their separate ways. Um, Dr. Torres is really hoping that this time Mary will be able to take care of her diabetes. Um, meanwhile, in the background, uh, there's a care coordinator and the hospital system, the clinic that uh, Mary goes to, has actually implemented a new population health monitoring program. The care coordinator goes into Mary's chart after her appointment and the care coordinator pulls up risk scores, SDOH risk scores, which I'll, I'll show you in a little bit after we finish Mary's um, story. Under the medication adherence risk score, the care coordinator notices that um, a high care driver, a high um, social driver of health for Mary is her financial instability. She also notices that there's a low care driver around social support, meaning that Mary may have good social support, um, but she likely has financial instability. In the background, without Mary having to disclose anything, um, let me tell you a little bit more about what's going on in Mary's household. 
So at home, Mary, um, because of flare-ups in her symptoms, has had um, up and down income. She does have a job, but she hasn't been able to make all her shifts over the last several months, and so her income's been up and down. She and her husband have had to move several times um, over the past couple of years to keep up with rent increases. Um, but at the same time, she does live close to her son and her daughter-in-law. Her son has a car. Um, her daughter-in-law often takes Mary to appointments, takes Mary to pick up her medication at the pharmacy, and so she has quite a bit of family support. And let me just pause there for a second and pass it to Diana to talk about why that nuance is important. Yeah, that's perfect. And I was just about to jump in. So what's really interesting, right, is if you were to look at Mary's um, aggregate SDOH, what I would call that, you know, out that um, zip code level data, you would see that maybe she lives in a zip code that has access to care. And so you would assume, okay, we know, we know about Mary. You might even look at her um, insurance status, which is often used as kind of a, you know, comparator to social determinants of health. And you'd say like, well, she has insurance. So why is Mary having so, so many challenges with her medication? And Avery hit on two really important factors that you can really only uncover if you have individual level SDOH data um, that describes both the individual and the household. So something really critical to understand is that Mary has her son and her daughter-in-law who provide a lot of social support. And those are, that, those are really levers and opportunities that you know, can be engaged in the care plan um, and encourage Mary to talk to her family about how they could support her in make, taking her medications and p paying for them. On the other hand, even though Mary has commercial insurance, you would, you know, she doesn't necessarily, um, at a very aggregate level, look like someone who might have challenges paying for her prescriptions. However, as we, as the care coordinator dug into it more, she realized that her copay is quite high, and because Mary has had, you know, on and off income, she might be struggling with that copay because of the financial instability that the individualized data has flagged. So again, it really just shows two examples, both something that is a risk factor and an opportunity that um, have to be uncovered at that individual and at that household level that wouldn't otherwise be available if you were just looking at the top level geography or coverage type information. Great, thank you. And so as the care coordinator is looking at this, the care coordinator is able to say, hey, a really good use of our clinic's resources would be to go ahead and fill out this application for financial assistance um, for her medication on behalf of Mary. Um, this means that the care coordinator didn't um, use an inefficient method like throw everything, every SDOH intervention. They were able to get a really specific SDOH intervention um, surrounded by the financial assistance. So the care coordinator goes ahead submits the financial assistance form, and then a couple of weeks later, Mary gets a phone call um, from the clinic, and turns out her copay is now only $5 for her medication. So that's fantastic. $5 is a lot easier for Mary to handle. Um, her daughter-in-law gives her a ride, and she's able to make it to the pharmacy, pick up her medication, and really stay on track with that medication because, again, she's got the social support. She just needed some financial assistance. So that $5 a month copay, the rides from her daughter-in-law, this turns into Mary getting back on board with her care plan. Several months later, um, she goes back to see Dr. Torres, and Dr. Torres is very pleased to see that Mary's A1Cs are finally trending in the right direction after years of trying various interventions. 
So we're very happy to report that Mary is trending, is trending in the right direction and her diabetes is now um, getting under control. And one of the questions we get most often about this is, what does that look like in real life, right? Mm -hmm. So we have this data, we have care coordinators, how do we connect the two? And that's what I think I'm most excited about with the combination of Health Gorilla and LexisNexis partnering together is being able to take that data, but also interoperate it with all of the different mm -hmm. clinical data and put it into the workflow in a way that makes sense. So I'm really excited to kind of show this demo as well. And Avery, I'll ask you to talk about it a little bit more. Yes, thank you. Um, so as you can see, we have four risk scores, total cost risk, readmission risk, medication adherence risk, and motivation risk. Um, so we actually today, we're talking about the medication adherence risk. So once again, there are a variety of um, care drivers that are included to um, make that risk score. The thing that I love about the integration of this with Health Gorilla is it really gives some directionality as to the care plan. Um, it's not just a dump of various factors. It's actually a very um, directed risk score that can point towards the next um, action. Um, the other piece that's really nice about this is, especially with the readmission risk score, we connect directly with the clinical data inside of Health Gorilla so that we have the proper codes with the last hospital readmission so that we know, for example, if, if somebody's pregnant and has been admitted to the hospital recently, they're probably not at a very high readmission risk in general. They're just at a time in their life right now where they might be going to the hospital more often. So again, this individual level data that lets you get really granular about the type of intervention that you are um, creating. Yeah, that's awesome. Great point. And then one of the other common questions that come up is who's really using this data? And so that's also something we wanted to speak about when it comes to workflow integration. So being on the big data side, a lot of times people will ask me, you know, how do we do this in a way that's sustainable, that doesn't add a lot of work to our providers, but then also at the same time doesn't um, spook our patients, right? We don't, we, you know, we want to be very sensitive about how we bring these things up in the course of the patient visit. And so one of the things that's really beneficial about um, this integration into a uh, platform and then also integration with care management systems is that it really takes some of the burden off of the provider, but it also guides the provider directionally into what are some of the interventions or community-based organizations that would be most impactful. So instead of Dr. Torres having to go through a very detailed 100-question assessment, she can have some indication that Mary has some challenges with finances and really target her questions more specifically to that intervention. Or in the example of this health system with a robust population health program, the care manager can go ahead and proactively um, recommend resources without necessarily having to broach some of the sensitive comments and questions around, you know, what are your finances like? Are you struggling with medication? Which also might help kind of reduce some of the stigma that certain underserved populations feel around these questions. And so instead of, you know, asking the patient, all this battery of questions that might not make sense in the clinical visit, you're able to just go ahead and let them know, oh, actually, were you aware that our health system has a transportation program? Or did you know that this medication has a rebate associated with it? Connecting them directly to the intervention in a much more efficient and sort of sustainable manner as well. Yes, thank you. 
Um, with that, we are going to open it up to questions. We've got some other considerations around um, workflows and uh, kind of how to connect to the last mile as well. So, But we do want to open it up to questions so that we can um, answer anything that the audience is thinking about. And also would love to hear if you all are planning any program building, um, what you're trying to evaluate around SDOH, um, questions and comments, welcome. Um, Sade has a mic, so anybody who would like to ask a question, please uh, raise your hand and Sade will come around with the mic. Just make sure that works. All right. So data quality is a big issue, of course. Like, how do we know the, the accuracy of the data that you've aggregated across big data? Yeah, it's a fantastic question and absolutely um, critical that we maintain over time. Um, so, I, you know, we can... Sorry, I heard a little feedback there. Um, yeah, so, we, you know, we can talk a little bit more about the technicalities of how, you know, the data is um, normalized. It also goes through a very complex linking process. Um, so to really ensure that it is indeed um, linked to the right person, we apply a pretty sophisticated patient matching so uh, linking on top of it to make sure that not only is the data um, accurate, it's also linked to the right person. And so taking that data from thousands of different sources, we can kind of talk, um, you know, I won't go into all the technicalities here, but it, we really look at the specificity of the linkage um, as well as the source of the data itself. The other thing that's really important around data quality is thinking about um, the source of the data and the sort of regulatory standards around it. Um, so one of the things that uh, we've really um, invested in at LexisNexis is the clinical validation of the data to make sure that the data points that we're pulling from um, third party or public record data are indeed relevant to social determinants. Because you could say that um, you know any data that's out there could be linked to an individual. But how do you know that it's truly driving clinical outcomes? So we that that is a very significant area of focus for us to make sure from a quality perspective, not only is it linked to the right person, not only is it cleaned and normalized and aggregated and maintained in a massive data warehouse um, with the highest security and privacy standards, but also that it is the highest quality data that is the most relevant for social determinants. So we've gone through and actually run clinical validations to demonstrate that it is predictive and um, of, of the top major health outcomes and, as well as um, health costs. But great question. Thanks, Aaron. Any other questions from the audience? So one, uh, just a couple other um, points, and then we'll do, and then we'll do closing remarks. Again, thank you everyone for joining today. Um, so as you can see, once you have this clean quality. SDOH data, with the clinical data, with this full picture of a patient, you can see how it would also be easy to integrate with other closed loop referral systems or community-based organizations that might already be part of the health system's workflow, or if you're a care coordination technology company, something that you might actually already service to patients, but this is basically that missing link to making the workflow efficient and available for care coordinators and clinicians. 
Um, I just yeah. want to give, uh, oh, Diana, go ahead. No, I just wanted to add quickly to that. I mean, one, one often question that comes up is, you know, just to kind of go back to the first thing I said, it, it, um, there's no one silver bullet, right? So we need to continue to invest in population health programs and care coordinators that can be with the patient and tailor this data. But this data does help fill in the gaps and give the care coordinators direction on where to start. So I liken it very much to where we were maybe 10, 15 years ago around medical gaps in care. Oftentimes, we really were not addressing a gap in care until it was you know, months or even years out of date. Um, and really all we kind of relied on was, has this person come into my health system, yes or no? Now, if you look at gaps in care programs, they're very sophisticated and use clinical data, claims history, um, you know, risk adjustment models, because we know so much more about individuals and are able to kind of use that to inform how to really help access care earlier in the process. And so I really think of this SDOH data along the same lines. How do we integrate it into kind of that baseline assessment to give us some directionality? Um, and particularly for the communities that maybe don't have as many resources to go through a very in-depth assessment, it is you know a, a primary step, that kind of foundational building block. Um, and so I know that that's often a question that's come up, and I think someone else actually asked it earlier when I was um, down the hall, and, and you know, how, how do we really integrate this with some of the other great work happening. There's so many great um, pilots and projects happening around SDOH that could just be benefited further um, from the use of this data to strengthen the precision and also the overall kind of um, reach of those programs. Yes, absolutely. And I will end with saying thank you um, and just leave you with a takeaway. Um, what I really would love for you to take away from today is the power of having multiple data sets in one platform and the power of finding those linkages inside the care system and moving the care continuum from not just what happens at the clinic, but obviously what happens in the home, what happens in the community, and really finding those places where we can make an impact on um, individuals from an SDOH perspective. Great. Thank you so much again for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy the rest of the conference.